0: Um, anyway, um, he is changing us, and uh, he is changing everything, really, about us, and and, uh, and um, one day this will all be over and will be changed, ultimately, in a, in, a, in a flash, in a moment, and we'll be with the Lord forever. But anyway, until then, um, we have some things to work on with his help, and uh, we're going to be talking today in Genesis chapter 50. So let me give you a little bit of history, a little bit of background. We're going to be talking today about Joseph and uh, just to test your old testament memory see how you're doing today joseph was a son of whom jacob who was also called israel right your name shall no longer be uh, the god voice your name shall no longer be jacob you shall be called israel right god would say to him and his sons would be the 12 he would have 12 sons just by chance and uh, they would become the 12 Tribes that made up all of Israel, right? Okay, so Joseph was one of the 12, right? His dad was Jacob, also known as Israel. Uh, Jacob's dad, isn't that great? You know, when we sing about, um, last week I think we sang a song about um, uh, the God of Jacob that is referred to so many times in the Old Testament, um, about the God of Jacob, about the favor of God that was passed on to Jacob. Um, And his dad was Isaac, whose dad was Abraham, all right? Okay. So anyway, we're talking about Joseph this morning, one of the 12 brothers, one of the 12 guys. And uh, tell me a little bit what what, you know about Joseph growing up. Joseph was a man of many dreams. He had many dreams, right? He was also favored by his father. He was his dad's favorite. He was the fair-haired child, as they say, and and, uh, really, really loved by his dad. This made his brothers what? Jealous, so jealous that they what? Plotted to kill him and then ultimately sold him into slavery. Yes, brilliant. Well done on your on your, your genesis uh, history. Very well. Very well done. Okay, sold him into slavery. Um, first, they thought about killing him. They couldn't do it. So they threw him down a cistern. They felt kind of felt guilty about it or maybe a little afraid, I think is probably what happened. They're like, oh, we don't want his blood on our hands. So they pulled him up out of the cistern and then um, some foreigners came by and they said, here, take this guy. We'll sell him to you and sold him off. So um, before we go much further, though, I, I do want to point out, you know, Every page of this, of, this, of this book, I see Jesus. Do you see him? Do you see him here? This is all foreshadowing, isn't it, of the coming Savior. Um, there would be one who came, who was sold by his own people uh, to someone else, who was given over from his own people to someone else's hand to be done away with, right? Jesus, too, um, his own people gave him away to the Romans to be crucified, right, uh, to be done away with. Um, um, we know that Joseph was sold for 20 pieces of silver. Jesus was sold for what? 30 pieces of silver. Uh, I'm, I should say 20 shekels of, of silver and 30 pieces of silver. Joseph, you remember what happened to him, is that his, this so unjust, so unfair, that he would be treated so poorly by his brothers and be given... Um, To over. And you remember he ran into this woman named Potiphar's wife, and Potiphar's wife wrongly accused him, falsely accused him of something, and he spent years in prison, right? Falsely accused, and he suffered for it. Jesus also obviously falsely accused uh, in trials, and he suffered for it. But the suffering of Joseph, what happened? Joseph then went from the very lows in Egypt to what? To being the second in command, second only to Pharaoh. The Genesis says many times, second only to Pharaoh. And had a dream, he kept having dreams, about a coming famine. And so he helped uh, Egypt prepare for the famine. And because they were prepared, people from all over the region were coming to Egypt to be what? To be saved. So through Joseph's suffering came salvation for not just Egypt, not, but all of Israel also, actually, uh, but all of the region. All peoples, all the peoples of that region were all saved through his suffering, much like Jesus Christ, that, that we are saved by the suffering that he went through. All of this is foreshadowing. Every bit of it is pointing us and having a, helping us to get a deeper understanding of what Jesus Christ has done. Amen. Uh, just brilliant, the way that God, God has put together really not just this book, of all, but all of human history, right? He's orchestrated it all to point out, to say, this is who it's all about. Strangely, oddly enough, um, you'll see Joseph here, In he's got, Joseph has a huge number of chapters. He's got like 13 chapters that are him. Not all of those are his, but like in 37 to 50, huge amount of chapters. But you know how, how Genesis ends? You know how, how, how the story ends with Joseph? He's died, and he's buried and the story goes on, right? None of, us are, none of us are the key players here. None of us are the, are the star character here. It is all about the Lord Jesus Christ. It really is every bit of history, every bit of person who's raised up and lowered in, in all of the history of Israel and all of the Old Testament. It is all about him. And all of this, again, is foreshadowing or, or a prototyping of the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I shouldn't say proto, um, a typing of Jesus Christ. He is, he is a type of Savior through his suffering, just like Jesus was uh, or just like Joseph was. So anyway, um, you can't help but read uh, Jesus whenever you read Joseph because it is all about him. But anyway, in in Genesis chapter fifty, uh, in Genesis chapter fifty, we're going to read verses fifteen through twenty-one. And let me just tell you what's happened here. So so what's happened in the story is that Joseph has become the second in command in all of Egypt, the most powerful nation in that time, and um, his brothers. Um, Come to him, and they have to have food, and that's already happened. They've gotten food. They've gone back to their father, and their father uh, Jacob Israel. He dies, and then the brothers get a little scared again, and they think maybe he's maybe he's angry with us still, maybe he's still holding a grudge, and now that our father's not there. Maybe he's going to now mistreat us. He might put us to death, you know, I'm guessing they're thinking. He, he might just do away with us because we treated him so badly. And so they're so scared that they actually approach Joseph. So look with me in verse 15. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did for him? So they sent word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before he died. Now, we don't know if he really did, but maybe he did. <laughs> this is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers and of, I'm sorry, to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now, please forgive the sins of the servants of, the, of God, of the God of your father. When their message came to Joseph, to him, he he wept. Joseph wept. Okay, so let's pause there for just a moment, and let's take go through this just a little bit. The the brothers saw that their father was dead, and now they were afraid of Joseph because they were thinking maybe Joseph has just kind of been nice to us and relenting because he knows that Dad would be upset if he had us all killed. You know, so, but anyway, um, so in, so he says, uh, so let's go to him and, uh, and and afraid that he would hold a grudge. So um, let me let me pause there for just a second. And, exp- and tell you this. Um, you know, in terms of hurt, it's very much human nature that if someone hurts me, what do I do it, from a human standpoint? Yeah, you know, hurt them back, or you at least keep them at an arm's length, right? You at least hold that against them and say, I'm going to remember this. I'm going to remember this debt. I'm going to remember this thing you did, and I'm going to keep you from doing it again, and we think in our kind of fallen human thinking. We think that if I remember this and I hold this against them, they can't hurt me again. It's kind of part of human nature is, right? If, if, you, if you put your hand on the stove and the stove burns you, what do you do? You don't put your hand on the stove, right? You all learned this, right? When you were children, some of you may be still trying to learn that. But anyway, um, we all try to learn that when we were children, hopefully learn that when we were children. Um, and the same thing, we try to apply that same principle in, in, in our relationships where someone hurts us, oh, I'm not doing that again right? We're not going there. I'm not going to allow you. And so I'm going to remember this. I'm going to hold this thing against you. And in our, in our human thinking, that makes perfect sense, I know. Um, um, and, and you feel like, I know it feels like if we, if I hold a grudge, if I remember this, if I don't, then I can keep them from doing it again. That, that's kind of the human thought, the human, human nature thought. Um, but anyway, look what it says in... Um, Look what it says in, so they sent word saying, he left these instructions before he died. Now look with me in verse 13, I'm sorry, 17. This is what you are to say to Joseph. So here the brothers are saying, here's what dad said. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongdoings they, they committed in treating you so badly. Let me tell you just a little bit. Whenever you read sins in the Old Testament, typically sin means, in the Old or New Testament really, it means falling short. It means that it talk, it's that it's that concept that, all of humanity is fallen and will never um, measure up to God's standards. Everything we do, everything we try, will never get there. We're never perfect. We're never, we're never infallible. Never, anything we do is never good enough. It's never perfect compared to God's standards. That's what sin means, literally, is falling short. I'm always short of the target, always short of the target. Um, then the next thing, though, in, in the NIV version, it's translated... Um, wrongs. That's actually the word trespasses in in Hebrew. That's actually the word trespass. What that means is is that this is an intentional, you know what it means that someone trespasses on your territory, right? That means that they're on your property. I mean, that means that they've come onto your property without uh, permission. The same thing applies here. A trespass is when you've intentionally gone beyond your bounds and you've trespassed over in God's authority. It it might be thought in terms of rebellion, like God's drawn a line and says, don't step across here and we say, oh, I'll show you. I'll, I'll step across here as far as I want to, right? It, it, it's that tendency in children, right, to, to test their boundaries, uh, is to always be pushing, right? You, you, you know, some of you are a little more defiant than others growing up, or some of us more compliant, but but to always be pushing against that boundary. It's that, it's that human fallenness in us that, that exists in all of us to always be kind of pushing the boundaries with God and saying, no, I don't care where your standards are. I'm always going to be pushing against them, always going to be trying against them. And that, in that way, those are trespasses. That's an intentional kind of a rebelliousness that we all have in, in our human nature, and our sinful nature. Uh, but anyway, listen to what he says. I ask you for, to forgive your brothers for the sins and the wrongs they've committed. So because the way that they treated you fell short and because they intentionally, purposefully sinned against you, I ask you to forgive them that anyway. I ask you to forgive them that anyway, that they committed and treated you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of your servants, of the God of your father. When their message came to him, Joseph wept. In verse 18, when his brothers came and threw themselves down before him, we are your slaves, they said. Okay, so what are they doing? They're just throwing themselves and hoping that he'll be merciful. Listen, we'll be your slaves. We'll be your servants. We'll do whatever you want us to do, uh, but, we, but just take pity, take mercy on us. And uh, verse 19, but Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. And he says something very odd. Am I in the place of God? What in the world did that come from? What in the world does that mean? I think what it means is that Joseph recognizes, even so far back, this is just incredible, some of the patriarchs, what they knew about God. But what, they, what he's saying is, is that it's not my place to judge. It's not my place to punish. It's not my place to, to carry out some sort of uh, revenge against you. It's not my place. That belongs to God. It is not my place. Um, and so Joseph said, I am, am I in the place of God? I think there's maybe a couple of points here that are really important. One is revenge... Belongs to the Lord, right? Justice belongs to the Lord. It does not belong to you and I. But the other important part of this, I think, is is that I think maybe Joseph recognizes that maybe he's not any better than his brothers, right? Surely, I mean, obviously, they treated him horribly. They sold him into slavery after they conspired to kill him uh, and all this stuff. Obviously, that's real bad behavior, right? But somehow, I think that Joseph recognizes, I'm more like them than I am like God right? I, I'm not holy before, he's basically thinking, I'm not holy before his brothers. It's not that he can stand there and say, well, I've never done anything bad, and so I'm going to judge you, and I'm going to carry out your punishment right here and right now. I think Joseph recognizes, I'm not God. I'm just a man. I'm just like you, just like you guys are. I too am sinful, and I'm not like our Father in heaven, who is holy and perfect and able to judge. And that's really what, it, what the difference is. is that God is holy, and when He judges, His judgment is right every time. When we judge, what? We're hypocrites, right? Uh, um, I, I talk to you about this all the time, but Um, you know, it's like um, we read the scriptures all the time and and we think in terms like I'm on God's side and then there's everybody else. It's like there's a line and God and I are on this side because, you know, we try to be right. We try to do all the right things. And then everybody else is on the other side of the line and they're all bad and sinners, right? Much more like this. God's on this side. All the rest of us are in a great big circle together, right? We're all together in this great big circle. And kind of the cool thing about the gospel is, is it kind of says that basically God crossed the line. He came in to where we were um, on our behalf to rescue us from from our sins and our sinfulness. So, yeah, it's much more like this, is that we're more like each other than we like to admit, right? All the things that you hate about each other, right? All the things that we look at each other and say, oh, I can't believe they're more mature in this. I can't believe they're not grown in this. I can't believe uh, they still struggle with his sin or even people outside the church. I can't believe that there's so much incredible... Um, 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 problems, so much trouble, so many horrible decisions that they're making, and and we kind of begin to make a distinction between us and the rest of the world. Um, Well, I tell you this, we're more like them than we are like God, yeah, And, and absolutely in need of grace. Now, the cool thing is, the great thing is, is that God has something better for us than that. He he has intended for us to grow in sanctification, to grow in holiness, and to look more and more like his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. But it's never to the point that I can look down on someone else in judgment. Yeah? Are you with me? Because ultimately, it's all his work. He's done it all. He's delivered me. He's given me his Holy Spirit to help grow me, to help change me. And if it were me on my own, I I wouldn't do any of it. You know, I go through suffering and we go through trials. And and just to be really honest, I'm just so superficial. I wouldn't do any of that on my own. You know, Uh, it's the Lord Jesus. It's his work and his Holy Spirit indwelling me to change me and to make me better. And he is changing everything. Amen. He is changing everything in us. Okay, but Joseph said, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God you intended to harm me. Isn't that great? So, so yeah, so Joseph recognized and being fully aware, he's not blowing off what they've done. He's not saying, oh, you know, you tried to kill me, and then you sold me into slavery, and you lied to dad about it all, and I got sold into And, you know, he could go on and on, couldn't he? Do you know how many days, how many years I spent in prison? Do you know how I feared for my life? Do you know how afraid I was that I'd be put to death? it doesn't say any of that. He doesn't say any of that stuff. But instead, he says, you intended to harm me. Now, just being really honest, that, that's the truth. They intended to harm me. So he's not making anything little about what they've done, but what he's making big about, read with me. God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Can, can you imagine that? So. Uh, This brings about some really hard theological issues for us. Is that, is this, is that, so what they intended for harm and what were the harmful things that they did? You you tell me. Sold him into slavery, yep, attempted to kill him and then, well, maybe not, but threw him down in a cistern and then pulled him out and conspired to kill him and then threw him out. Is that pretty bad, right? Okay, kids, if you're listening. It's bad to sell your brother or sister into slavery, all right? I want to be real clear about this. Just because it worked out for Joseph doesn't mean it'll work out for you, all right, and his brothers. Um, but anyway, uh, but what he says is, is that the harm that you intended, God did intended for the good. Okay, this brings up a really bad, really hard theological issue for us. We were talking about this in Sunday school this morning. God intended, what, what, the, what, what his brothers has intended, I think we could all agree, this was evil, right? This was wrong. Everybody agree with that? What they did was evil and wrong. But God intended a good purpose behind it all. Okay, okay so here's the, here's the million-dollar question. Did God allow this to happen or did he cause it to happen? I'm not going to answer that for you today. But it's a, it's a fabulous question, isn't it? Um, did God cause this evil to happen or did he um, allow it to happen so that he could bring about something greater good? Not really the, the real question in, in my mind. The real, the real question in my mind is this evil thing happened to Joseph, but now what? What would happen as a result? Ultimately, God desired good. God desired something good. And so he used that in the life of Joseph, in the life of Egypt, in the life of all of Israel. He used all of those things so that he could go and save the lives of so many people. Amen? Amen. That that was his intent. So let me ask you um, just real quick while we're here and we're talking about suffering, all the suffering that Joseph went through, he could go back and say, God intended it for good. Amazing. Amazing. Can you look at your life and look at the suffering you've gone through or are going through? And there's going to be more, right? It's not a question of whether or not we're going to suffer. It's not a question of whether or not there's going to be, uh, um, 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 you know, problems in their life. It's part of being human. The question is, what are you going to do with it? What's God going to do with it? And can I tell you this this morning is that God always intends good, even when what we see happening to us is we, we deem as evil, is injustice as something where we've been wronged. God always intends it for good and God always is working for the good of those who are called according to his purposes. Amen. Romans eight twenty eight. Okay. Um uh so anyway, so yeah, so so let's not let's not lose that let's kind of you know and god help us when we're going through something that we just think of as just terribly unfair that the lord's putting us through or allowing us to go through one way or the other however you want to look at it well however the lord's bringing, taking us through no matter what's going on the question really is is it do you still believe in his goodness Will you remain faithful in the suffering? Can I tell you this morning, uh, you know, sometimes we kind of play this game is that what, what in our minds, maybe not with other people, but in our minds, what if God did this, something really horrible? What if God allowed something really terrible, really horrible to happen in my life? Could I remain faithful? Do you ever play that kind of game in your mind? Is it just me? Is there something wrong with me? Okay. Okay. Many of us. Uh, well, a few. Anyway, um, th- it, th- would go- would I still remain faithful? Can I tell you that... That I'm convinced this morning that, that there could be calamity in my life that would cause me to turn away from God. Now, I say that because I don't trust myself to, re, to remain faithful. But what I do trust in is that the Lord's ability and His power to hang on to me when I can't hang on to Him. Amen. And, and listen, let me tell you this morning, folks, we need to be so serious about praying for each other when we suffer because you don't know what's going on really in their lives. You know, I, I know a lot of you are suffering right now. I know a lot of you are. I know a lot of you are going through things that you just wonder how, if you're going to hang on, if you're going to be able to make it or not. I know you are. And church family, let me tell you, it's important for us to know each other well enough and to care about each other well enough that we'd be praying, Lord, hold on to them. Lord, hold on, help them to remain, help by your Holy Spirit, help them to remember your goodness, help them to remember that this suffering is only for a time, that it won't last forever, and ultimately what you desire for them is healing and wholeness, and ultimately what you desire for them is to show them your love and your mercy and your grace. Amen? Amen. We're all going to suffer. It's just a matter, just a matter of of, of what we're going to do with it. Really, truly, okay, a uh, couple things. I, I want to talk to you I, I want to finish kind of talking to you about the, about um, forgiveness and all of this, but um, the first thing is this is that when you do not forgive others, you have forgotten the debt that was paid for you. When you don't forgive others, you 've forgotten the debt that was paid for you. I 'm going to talk about that here more in just a little bit. Um, And, and that's this: when you're hurt, when you're offended, when your suffering is actually caused by someone else, could it be that God still has a plan in all of that? I, I know none of us think about it that way, but but when someone does something or says something that's offensive or something bad, and your relationship is hurt, could it be that God has something else planned for that to try to to try to do better? I, I think He always does. I, I think you know, this stuff that happened, this famine that happened in Egypt, none of this was an accident, right? God knew all this was going to happen. He set up Joseph to be there. And are you, t- you so what you and I would say is that what God couldn't possibly orchestrate anything like that in my life. Uh, well, yeah, he can and he does, I think, every single day. Um, but ultimately, um, could it be that, that being, being, being hurt and, and all of that stuff could be a tool that God's using in your own life? Uh, let me say another thing. Um, holding a grudge is poison for your soul. You know, if you go to see a counselor, and even the non-Christian counselors um, understand this, if you're holding a grudge, it doesn't matter what's going on in your life. The first thing they're going to ask you about is, is, is what's, what's happened? Or is there hurt in your life? And have you found a way to forgive? And, and I don't care if you're going to a Christian counselor, or non-Christian everybody knows this, is that holding a grudge and becoming embittered and becoming angry over time and holding unforgiveness against someone will eat you alive. I know it feels like you're getting back at them, but really what's happening is it is eating you from the inside out. It just really literally is, right? I mean, you know this in practice, if you've lived long enough, um, it's the truth. It, it, it will eat you up. Uh, it, it, it will poison your soul. Um, but let me, let me ask this. Whenever someone has hurt you, and those of you who are married, we hurt each other all the time. Right, you you say things you don't mean. There's misunderstandings. It happens all the time. You kind of wake up grumpy, and you know someone calls on the phone, and you say hello, and then you hang up, and you're like, ah, ah, you kind of back at each other. Um, and that happens all the time, right? Yeah, um, I love it sometimes when Brent and I are upset with each other, and uh, and she's, you know, we're kind of going back and forth at each other, and then she sees the dog, and she actually talks nicer to the dog than she does to me. That really irritates me. You know what I'm saying? Grace understands this, doesn't she? Don't you? Uh-huh. Yeah, that really irritates me. Or like. Like we're in the middle of, a, of an argument or something and just picks up the, yeah, hello? Yeah, like there's nothing going on. It should be, hello, you know, what do you want? But uh, anyway, that, that's not how it is. But, you know, we hurt the people closest to us more than we do anyone else, right? We, we, we just do. It, it's part of being human. But let me tell you, in marriage, have you, have you not learned this? Is that you've begun to learn through your hurt, by being hurt by your, your wife or by your husband, you begin to learn that, while wow, this forgiveness thing is a big deal, Learning to forgive is a big deal it 's hard it 's not what I want to do it doesn 't come naturally to me. none of that stuff, but I know that I have to. I know that I need to and the reason why well you can 't be mad forever right you can 't hold a grudge forever or else it 'll eat you alive, and so you have to find a way to come to forgiveness. Amen? You you found this to be true in your life? It it, it will eat you alive. And so you've learned this in your life is that you have to find a way to come to forgiveness, but it's very difficult. And the very next thing you start thinking, I hope and I pray, is that, wow, what did it take for the Lord to forgive me? And it opens; it begins to open your eyes to see the truth of the scriptures. As a matter of fact, Jesus would tell a parable. I think it's Matthew chapter eighteen. I should have should have marked a little better. But he told this parable. There was a guy who owed the owed the. As a matter of fact, he started this out by saying, "The kingdom of heaven is like this." You know, he told the parables yeah, anyway. The kingdom of heaven is like this. He said, "This is a this is a spiritual truth. This is a spirit. This is the the kingdom of heaven and how it operates." There was a guy who was a master. He had a, a servant. Who owed him, let me just round it, a gajillion dollars. O- owed him a gajillion dollars, more money than if he worked for the rest of his life, he could ever pay back. He could never pay it back. And he went to him, he was threatened to throw him in jail, and the guy said, begged for mercy, and he said, okay, I forgive all of your debt. The guy was forgiven of, of more than a lifetime worth of debt. That guy who's been forgiven then goes to a guy who owes him like five bucks. And he says, I'm throwing you in prison, I'm taking your children and I'm taking your wife and you're all going to work it until you get it paid off. Okay, you and I hear the story, we're incensed, right? How ridiculous that a guy is willing to receive forgiveness for debt, but he won't show it, right? We're incensed, how unjust it is, how completely unfair, how completely ridiculous that he would receive so much forgiveness, but couldn't forgive a little bit. The truth of the scripture is you and I were the ones who received forgiveness of more than a lifetime of guilt. And when someone else offends us, it doesn't feel this way, but the truth of the scriptures is this the debt that they owe against you is nothing compared to the debt that God that you had to God. Nothing. Can't compare. You, you, the, the, the two don't measure up. You can't take one and say, uh, you know, if I just put another five dollars down here, it'll add up to a gajillion. There's not enough time in your life. You'll never be able to pay it back. And the forgiveness that we show each other is a reflection of what the Lord has done in our lives. Amen. When you show forgiveness, when you show grace, you're reflecting what's been done in your life. And even more so, one of the great things is that, and you're understanding what's been done for you. Amen. Can hurt be used in your life? Absolutely it can. Is it coming? Absolutely it is. There's going to be more. There'll be more misunderstandings. There'll be more confusion. There'll There'll be more people who intentionally trespass against you. But the truth of the scriptures is, is that, you can show forgiveness because you are being made and changed into the image of, our, of, our, of God and our Father, and he is a gracious and forgiving God. Amen? Amen. May we reflect his grace. May we reflect his, his forgiveness. May we, and when we do, may God be gloried and honored in, in our lives by the grace that he's shown us to say, oh man, I, I, I can do this. Uh, it's it's hard, but I can show that same kind of grace. I can show that same kind of forgiveness because I've been forgiven. Amen. Amen. Let's pray and we'll be dismissed. Heavenly Father, um, Lord, as we read the story of Joseph, I, I remember reading that, that really for the first time, and, and just reading the story of Joseph and how forgiving he was after such horrible treatment that, that, that didn't end there. It's not like his brother sold him and then everything went fine. It went downhill from there. He went into to prison. He went into, in, in servanthood and then into prison and feared for his life, I'm sure, sometimes, and, and, uh, and saw some of the other prisoners around him being executed, and, and uh, he must have been afraid for his life. And yet, despite all the suffering, I look at him and just think, this guy must be superhuman that he can look at his brothers and say, "What well, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. Lord, give us that kind of view of forgiveness. Let us not just be recipients of your forgiveness, but let us also be a people who would offer that, that same peace, that same grace, that same forgiveness to other people. And, and uniquely to Christians, Christians, um, just have the, just a, a unique ability to forgive like, like no one else on earth because we're the only ones by whose, uh, by whose God has, we have been forgiven. Not that, we've, not that we've just offered enough that we bought your favor, but we've been forgiven. We've been found not guilty. We, you've completely and totally forgiven our debt, not just in the past, but all the debt, all the trespasses, all the sins of our future were taken care of through that one sacrifice of your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So, Father, help us to honor you with our lives. Uh, by your Holy Spirit, Lord God, I pray that you would help us. Help us to, to do that by showing forgiveness, to, by showing grace to other people. And when we do, Lord, we know that we'll be recognized as your children, as, as brothers um, with the, or sisters as of the Lord Jesus Christ, because that's how he came, and that's the grace and the forgiveness that he showed. Um, now, Lord, help us to do the same. It's in Jesus' great name that we pray. Amen. 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 Y'all have a great week. Thanks for being here today. I grew up in a little town, used to sing in.